the rainforest is a very small amount of forest land on our planet. It only occupies 2% of the planet's surface, but it houses 50% of the planet's species of wildlife and plants. It's being destroyed illegally, mostly, um, at the rate of an acre every second. Ken and I put our heads together and said, well, why can't we use Vermont's beautiful furniture to call attention to the need for sustainable furniture, sustainable, handcrafted, American-made wooden furniture. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today, we sit down with Peggy Faraba founder of Vermont Wood Studios, a handcrafted wood furniture company passionate about preserving wildlife habitat. Welcome, this is Sam Roach-Gerber and David Bradbury, recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Today's episode is brought to you by the Center for Women and Enterprise. Peggy, hi. Hi there. It is so good to see you. It's great to be Peggy, here. Peggy, it's great to see a smiling, maskless face, so thank you. <laughs> yes, we are vaccinated and recording with no masks. Feels Living good. the dream. Feels good. I don't, I don't sound like Darth Vader, I hope, anymore, breathing in and out of the microphone. So, <laughs> um, Peggy, let's start from the beginning. What is Vermont Woods Studios? Vermont Woods Studios is a network of different uh, workshops, furniture-making workshops throughout Vermont, um, all using uh, handcrafted techniques and sustainably harvested wood. Uh, So different workshops uh, represented in marketing and sales um, by a group of superstars at Vermont Woods Studios. Such a cool model, so different. Yes, yes. Um, the way it came about is is uh, my husband, Ken, is a woodworker, and so he has a lot of friends who are also woodworkers. And we kind of noticed that woodworkers in Vermont are great at what they do, but they hate tooting their own horn. There's nothing worse for them. So um, I love tooting their horns. I love what they do. And you know, woodworkers are the salt of the earth. Who wouldn't want to work with woodworkers and help them out? So we, um, we take photos of their work, and we put them online, and we uh, market and sell Vermont-made furniture on the Internet, which is an insane idea, but um, <laughs> we're trying. We're doing it. You are doing it, doing it very well. And, and was it also inspired by your love of wildlife? Yes. Like, I think that's part of your origin, and... and you know, I think you wanted to be sort of the Jane Goodall, you know, <laughs> I character. I did want right? to be Jane Goodall. Who doesn't, <laughs> she right? She's still my hero. And, but yes. how, did, how did you go from that to working with all these woodworkers and, and selling their stuff on the, on the web? Right. So um, through marriage. So, <laughs> uh, so Ken, my husband, is a woodworker, and he loves wood, and I mean— if you catch him in his workshop, he's going to get you for like an hour showing you the different grains of wood and saying, this is maple and this is <laughs> walnut and this is cherry, you know. And, and so I love wood too, but, you know, my real um, impetus for starting this was the woods, the woodlands, the forest, and forest conservation. And so, you know, I grew up 
um, visiting the forest. I lived in a rural community, and my parents are, you know, lovers of the land. Uh, so I spent a lot of time outside and in the woods when I was growing up. And uh, so I've always, always wanted to do something to conserve the forest because it's in trouble. Um, you know, especially the rainforest. So if you love wildlife, um, this might mean something to you. The rainforest is a very small amount of forest land on our planet. It only occupies 2% of the planet's surface, but it houses 50% of the planet's species of wildlife and plants. So it's being destroyed illegally mostly, um, at the rate of an acre every second, if you could imagine oh, that. that's depressing. So, so I knew this, like started studying this in the 90s, and I couldn't live with myself if I didn't drop what I was doing and try to do something about it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Ken and I put our heads together and said, well, why can't we use... Vermont's beautiful furniture to call attention to the need for sustainable furniture, sustainable, handcrafted, American-made wooden furniture. So we just tried to, like, put both of our passions together. Amazing. That's such a great, great... I love that origin story and how you can, you know, solving the problem here, right? And and educating people too, right? Because right. you order something online, you don't even think about where the wood's coming from. It's so true. Yeah. And, and, you know, the difficult thing is that to buy furniture that's made ethically, um, it's expensive. Yeah. And most of the furniture that we're buying online is made overseas it's made by people who are you know probably making a quarter an hour and they're probably young children some of them uh there's you know there's a lot of background into mainstream furniture that i just couldn't live with and so um yeah we're using the internet and you know it's not for everybody because It is expensive. You're paying a livable wage to woodworkers, and that is a sacrifice. I mean, we love our customers because they're willing to sacrifice to buy something that's made ethically and that they can be proud of putting in their homes. And I think, you know, a lot of the way that we're shopping, whether it's the way we eat, the way what we wear, you know, people are starting to think that way and making a difference with their purchases. So I think the timing is is huge. Um, What's Stonehurst? (laughs) So Stonehurst is um, an effort to put your money where your mouth is when it comes to locating your store. So Stonehurst is our furniture store. Um, It's in Vernon, Vermont. It's on a 100-acre plot of woodlands, um, and it looks out over the Connecticut River. So it's a beautiful... Sounds terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful old farmhouse, and our team works there, um, and we have a small showroom. It's just a, like, 2,000-square-feet showroom, but it... It contains um, representative works of each of the workshops that we work with. So customers can come. They do come, really, from all over the country to see Stonehurst. And um, this year, Jake, who is um, 
our like facilities and grounds guy. He's um, well starting a few years ago. He's been planting an orchard and blueberry bushes and all these beautiful um, pieces of landscaping. He's turning it into an edible landscape. Um, so that we can show customers, like, this is where your furniture comes from. This, this is a representative of where your furniture comes from. Yeah. Um, and why we need to preserve it, right? You right. get it when you're there. Right, right. So customers can hike. There's a couple little loops depending on how long they want to hike. And um, they can see the furniture and they can meet the people that bring it to them. I love that. I mean, there, I think of other Vermont companies and their brands and their people that just live it right you know Burton snowboards and and being in the mountains and you know the cows and Ben and Jerry's and on and on I I just it's awesome I mean we're doing it we have a Vermont Woods Studios table in one of our conference rooms yes we do you're in the mean and green room beautiful cherry table thank you thanks to Jeff Strawbridge yes one of the many things we get to thank Jeff for so so you hinted a little bit about your models on on your furniture is made by independent studios and and craftspersons right correct okay and how does just explain that you collect orders, give them give them out to whoever's available or to what the customer right. wants, and then do you do you bring them all into a warehouse and ship them or just explain? You, that, yeah, is, yeah, you just explain <laughs> simple, it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we work with like five or six um, workshops throughout Vermont, so they're scattered in, in different places and. We do, uh, we visit with them, we're, um, we represent them, but we're, we're like partners. So we consider ourselves one company. Um, and we're, we consider like Vermont Wood Studios a division of that company and Linden Furniture another division and Copeland Furniture another division and so on. We, we are, you know, in Vermont, everybody is small and so we have to partner with each other. But the other thing is it's fun to partner with each other, and it works really well. So um, we take photos of the furniture that they make, and we, we do all the website work, all the digital marketing work, all the sales work. Um, so we get the sale, and then, uh, like I suppose most online retailers, we um, we put an order in to the workshop for whatever. I right, see. So you're, not, you're not warehousing or putting a lot of stuff we in inventory? We do warehouse some. Yeah, some. We do. But um, and and we're trying to warehouse more, but it's tough right now because the pandemic. Did you know that people are buying lots of stuff during the pandemic? Well, it's one of our questions is, yeah. is is how COVID you know hurt folks, and then and others it was new heights and yeah. new new possibilities. So tell us about that experience. Sure, sure. Um, so at the beginning of the pandemic, it was a couple months of white knuckles, really worrying about, uh, well, everybody was worried about, especially people who own small businesses. But um, we committed to our team. Nobody's getting laid off. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, see this through together. And so um, we had uh, my son, Riley, and... Jeff, Strawbridge, Brian, a few other key, key people just jumped right in and immediately set everybody up to work at home. It was like magic. Yeah. So everybody worked out of their house, and it was quiet. 
It was really quiet for about two months. We were on Zoom every day, all of us, because I wanted to do whatever we could to be cohesive, you know, to keep, keep together. morale up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden, like two, three months maybe into the pandemic, people started understanding they're going to be working from home. They need a new desk. They need a new bookcase. They need a new chair. So we started selling office furniture. And then they're still at home and they're like, oh, I can't go anywhere. What am I going to do with all my money? Well, I'm going to buy new dining furniture or new bedroom furniture. So our business really grew last year and it's still growing. Oh, um, great. So it's still. So, yeah, there's a huge going. demand. So, so our workshops, let's just take um, Linden Furniture, for example. <clears throat> they're getting twice as many orders from us. They're also getting twice as many orders from their other retailers. And so we, it's, we've got lead times of like five, six months. If you order furniture from us today, it's say, let's say it's June 1st. And you it typically would have been maybe six, to, eight weeks yes, prior. Yeah, you so. might not get, get back. it until get back the fall. But we, so I thought of this because you asked about warehousing. This was our year to buy, you know, furniture, warehouse it so we could get it to people quickly. And now we, we, won't, we can't do that because yeah. if we start buying inventory, that makes the lead time even longer for our customers. So um, it's just a transition, but it's yeah. an exciting one. And it's, it's really exciting for the whole Vermont furniture industry because, um, you know, it's one step further to our goal of becoming the fine furniture capital of the country. Which I don't think is far away. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I do want to ask about that because, you know, custom furniture, uh, custom goods in general are really hard to sell. And yeah. the customer service aspect is really hard. Mm -hmm. And explaining lead times is really hard. Yeah. Um, how has your team had to sort of shift? What does that look like from a customer service perspective and, and maintaining your customers? Right. It's been tough. And um, I don't blame people for getting angry about having to wait a long time for their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've... Uh, I guess the biggest thing we've done is just try to be really honest with our customers and explain that it's not just us, it's the whole furniture industry, it's not just the furniture industry, it's everything. Try to buy a bike, try to buy a washer and dryer, try to buy a canoe. Never mind the shipping and... I uh, tried all right. of those but the canoe, and yes, <laughs> huge weight, and it's... You're yeah. right. It's everybody, right? Because yeah. uh, imports have been disrupted. So oh the uh, overseas yes. manufacturing you described isn't available. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, from the very beginning, okay, all of our workshops had to shut down for, say, at, at least two months. So that's, you're two months behind right there. And during that two months, you're selling all of your inventory. <laughs> and so you're starting out basically three months behind. Right. So you're starting with a four or five month lead time of the first order you get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then people are getting sick and they have to be quarantined and everybody that they worked with has to be quarantined. So there's another delay. And, and then 
it's hard to get materials. Well, why do you? Why are you so happy then? My gosh, <laughs> I don't understand. Right? <laughs> I'd be yeah, in a fetal I mean, position with I, tissues I, in the corner. So. Yeah, I mean, we just um, we have wonderful customers, and you know, ninety nine point nine nine percent of them are so understanding. So that's why we're happy. You know, our customers are the best people. Um, like I said, they're sacrificing to buy ethically made products. What more could you ask for? Yeah. Right, right. So I think, Peggy, you and I first sat down, maybe it was three or four, probably f- almost four years ago up here at VSAT, just to sort of just chat about things. And, and at the time, you were just really transitioning or thinking about becoming more of a, I'm going to call it e-commerce powerhouse. You always sold online, but there was this next sort of tier and level. Clearly you got there. (laughs) Tell us how. (laughs) Well, we have more than doubled our size since I talked to you. Yeah, I think it was all because of your advice, Dave. Oh gosh, that's don't please don't lie. Don't do not lie on this show. We don't have we need a buzzer. Not true. I told you to sell. I think I told you like time to sell, Peggy. No, um I think we grew because uh well honestly, um we had a turning point in twenty sixteen when my son Riley came on board. Um, we had a terrible year in 2016. And unbeknownst to me and Ken, Riley had disappeared from us for like a year. And he was studying digital marketing. We didn't know that. About 40 feet from where we're sitting, I think, right? I didn't know that. He did not share that with me. And so... (laughs) Amazing. So where you been? He's like, yeah. it turns out I have some useful skills that you yes. may be able to take advantage of. Look at me, right? Mom. <laughs> exactly. So he comes along and says, you know, I don't know why you're calling this a family business. You've never asked me for help. I'm like, Riley, you were playing basketball. I didn't know that you had any interest. You're in- like, I forgot you weren't 13 anymore. Yeah. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Uh, and he was playing ping pong here, right? Uh, he's quite good, unfortunately. Um. <laughs> but anyway, so he comes to us with these unknown talents and newly acquired skills. And really, he he was um, what began to turn the company around. Because we had been lucky. Um, well, lucky, I guess. We kind of rode the wave of being the first... Um, ridiculous people who thought that you could sell fine furniture online. So that didn't work out so well in the very beginning. But then we caught this wave and we had like five years of really tremendous growth. But then the whole industry, the whole online digital marketing changed and we didn't know that. (laughs) And so we fell behind and we were in trouble. Fortunately, Um, Riley comes along and he's like, oh, well, I know all about that. And so he came and started to turn things around. And then he brought Jeff Strawbridge and Jeff helped. And we actually have quite a number of people from VSET now helping us. Sophie, Robbie, Erica. um, Try try to come up with a name of someone we don't love and respect. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great team that came together under their, their... But I think that's, you know, I I do use your company all the time as an example of like the magic of a 
innovation space, bringing these people together because it's in what other world would they have all come together and and met and connected and, um, you know, in that way, Vermont Wood Studios not only is growing, but it's helping these people with their independent businesses as well. You know, um, Bootstrap VT and Olive and Milo, you know, these are all independent companies as well. And it makes such a big difference. Yeah, I I can honestly say that, you know, we wouldn't be where we are without Visa. And I I say that with... with Without Sam? (laughs) Well, I'm just really glad we let Riley in the door. Jeez. uh, I think Riley, you know, he must have beat them so badly in ping pong that they owed him money. Oh, right. And he said in, in... I'll take it in trade, go help out mom and dad. And, yeah. and that's yeah. probably the, the hustle that was going on here. So, Well, it well, all added up to something good. And um, we really, you know, we're in Vernon, uh, which is not a, a, a tech nerve center for Vermont. So we have this remote satellite up here that's the tech brains of the company. So cool. Um, I have a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go back to a Jane Goodall esque question here. Um, I may or may not have read on your website that uh, Vermont Wood Studios has planted over eighty two thousand trees. It's Is true. that true? Yes. 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 That's. You know that was my purpose from the very beginning. My purpose really. I hate to admit this, but my purpose was forest conservation first, furniture second. I really like the image of, like, you know, Riley being like, Mom, here are the stats of metrics for this this <laughs> month. And you'd be like, great, 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 great. But how many trees did we plant? And, and that's why he wasn't involved in the family business. He used to make a little count trees, right? Um, I think you should stop when you get to 802,000, like that whole 802 thing. So, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Or, well, or, maybe or just, 802 just, million. Because that's not stop. really a lot of trees. It's not? Yeah. I mean, we I need more so. if we're going to fight climate yeah. change. Yeah, I mean, Vermont's, I think Vermont's 6.3 million acres. Yeah, that's uh, quite a few trees. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. Well, we had uh, uh, Eric Sorkin for Run Amuck in here the other day, and they always, you know, well, we got this many taps. And we're like, stop. How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> how funny, right? Right, and, and he was very honest with the answer. He goes, well, we kind of we figure how many we bought, how <laughs> yeah. so many we have, or we, we weigh the buckets. So anyway. Yeah. So beyond the, the tree planting, you know, you're obviously representing um, multiple studios, um, and it sort of falls under your umbrella. So how do you make sure that those companies are up to your environmental standards in terms of sustainability efforts? Yeah, good question. Um, we're very selective about who we work with. So there's, you know, three basic criteria, I guess. One, they have to use sustainably harvested wood. Two, they have to be fabulous people. And three, <laughs> they have to have great style and great workmanship. And uh, so so we're, we're just careful. We vet our partners and... Um, like what finishes they use and that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have d- different workshops use different finishes. And, you know, some customers um, like an oil finish on their wood. Um, and that's, you know, I, I liken finishes to gloves. So if, if you have an oil finish on your, um, on your table, that's not like the it won't give you the protection of like a plastic glove, right? It's like um, 
if you put lotion on your hands. Right. That's an oil finish. Others, they use a, um, a lacquer finish, which would be like having a glove on, a plastic glove. On. Okay. Not plastic. Put your sweaty but, glass on the table. and yeah, yeah, you can still. So my furniture at home has a lacquer finish <laughs> because I just don't have time to um, maintain an oil finish. But a lot of people feel like an oil finish is more beautiful and it's more traditional. But they're yeah. both awesome. We we have oil finishes on our, I think, post mills. Is that a woodworker? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we bought a table and, and things from them years ago that we love. And every couple of years, we've got to re-oil it. Yeah. And it brings, it's like a brand new piece of furniture, oh, no, right? It's you beautiful. Just, <laughs> I guess we don't realize how slowly dull our life becomes. Right? <laughs> and then we, like, magically re-oil things. And yeah. And it brings out the beauty. Yeah, so. yeah. And it smells good. And, yeah. Um. Yeah. How have you all financed the company? I mean, has it been mm. customer money, banks, like yeah. outside investors? Right. So uh, we've just kind of financed it ourselves. Like when we started, so I was almost 50 when I started this company, and Ken, I shouldn't say I, so Ken and I. Um, and so we had money in the bank, and we used that to start. And then, but you burn through that money so fast. So pretty soon we were getting a home equity loan. Uh, and I'd say it was probably, we were into this close to 10 years before we started to make money. <laughs> it was 10 years before and Ken and I what, took 16, a salary. 16 years in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but, you know, we didn't want to um, give up a lot of control um, because we're pretty particular about the way we run the business and the and our staff, our team is very important. So we didn't want um, outside influences uh, diminishing, um, you know, their package. So we, we just kind of grew as fast as we could grow with our own money. That's awesome, Great. Peggy. And I think, you know, even just knowing that, right, that you want full control and that's sometimes entrepreneurs learn that the hard way, right? Because they're so desperate to scale yeah. um, that that they they give up some of that ownership a little bit too soon. So yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, we we uh, Dave, you sent us to Fresh Tracks for advice, I think, and um, we talked to them about uh, you know bringing in outside investors, and TJ said. Uh, what do you want to do that for? You don't need to, you know, do it on your own. Don't Go give TJ. up control. That's why we love, you know, some of the investors we work with. We co-invest with Fresh Tracks a lot. And, you know, when you can get advice like that from an investor, yeah. you know, that's when you know you're you're talking to the right people. Um, so one thing I, I want to ask about is, you know, as Dave mentioned, you started this company 16 years ago. Um, and it seems like it's going swimmingly and you've made wonderful decisions along the way. But is there anything that sticks out that you wish you had known then that you know now, besides maybe uh, hiring Riley a little bit sooner? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had more than our share of mistakes. I mean, I can say that like the first probably five years was just full-time mistake making, you know. <laughs> and I think entrepreneurs should should be prepared to make mistakes and know that it's okay. You know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be the best looking. You just have to believe in what you're doing to the point where you 
can honestly ask somebody to help you. You know, come and help me, and I will do my best to make us successful. Um, because you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And the people who come to help you are going to make mistakes. But that's all okay, as long as you do more things right than wrong. So you think maybe like asking for help sooner would have been helpful in those early days? Um, I don't know. Uh, see, in the early days, the initial idea was to help small shops like one and two person shops who are doing Ken, the really Ken in the barn yes right? gotcha. yes yeah so so the guys who are doing the really um, fancy custom stuff too and so we spent a, a number of years trying to get that online and then we realized that's not a match for online commerce those guys if you're going to buy from them, you need to go visit them. You need to go several to their times, shop. maybe. <laughs> you need to pick out your own planks. You need to, you know, you need to get really involved with them. That was not a match. And so then, you know, the the very first sale I remember, um, a guy was from Indianapolis. His name was Mark Day, and he bought, you know, a highly customized piece like that, and and somehow. In those early days, I got it to Indianapolis safely. Wow. <laughs> That's the real thing. And feat. he loved it. But he's like, Peggy, I have a whole house to furnish. I can't afford to buy these expensive, one-of-a-kind, artsy pieces. You've yeah. got to sell me something that's more affordable. And so that's when we went to Linden Furniture and said, um, we want to sell your furniture. And so that is affordable furniture. And so affordable is what the internet is all about. Yeah. And it's it's a sweet spot, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, you know, people like what did you say, Mark? Mark Day. Mark, Mark, Mark Day. Day. People like Mark Day, you know, like he's willing to spend more maybe than your average consumer, but not so much that it's, you know, there right. is a sweet spot. So I think too, like developing that market. And that's that's something I want to ask you about too, is like, you know, how how have you found that market? Because it's yeah. it's not everyone, right? It's yeah. it's kind of specialized. So it's, it's a very small niche. Yeah, and um, you know, I went into this knowing that um, you you're not you're not using your website as a cash register. You're using your website as a vehicle to find your peeps, right? I mean, because there's not enough people in Vermont to buy this furniture because it's expensive. Yeah. And so you have to be able to go to the whole country and find the people who are passionate about conservation, um, are willing to listen to you about forest conservation and wildlife conservation. At the same time, they need furniture. <laughs> and they're willing to buy something sight unseen on the Internet. It's a teeny, tiny niche. Right. But if you have the whole country, there is a lot. It's huge. We could, we could grow tenfold and not even tap surface right because every everyone in Vermont their cousin or uncle or sister can make them a table easily yes <laughs> yes a beautiful table that has great meaning those you know. damn Vermonters they do they DIY everything so <laughs> but yeah tapping outside that's really important to look outside Vermont and, and yeah. see that market so I want to ask have have you had any 
any mentors for this business journey? Um, well, my son Kendall has been a mentor. He was, uh, he was my first employee and first believer. So, you know, he was 13. Amazing. And, uh, but he had grown up in the forest, and he had the same, and Riley too, had the same love of nature and understanding of this imperative to do something, to save what we could. Um, so, you know, I was, he, he gave me a lot of inspiration. My parents gave me a lot of inspiration. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, hands-on, maybe some of the people that I worked with in prior jobs. Right. I mean, you've been a um, professor, yeah. I think. You're a chemist. Yeah. A couple of master's degrees on Lord knows what, and you tossed it all away at age 50 to start a furniture company. I know. That's insane. Uh, I was, the word loca came to my mind, but <laughs> I think we're in the same sort of thing. But good on you, right? That, yeah, yeah. We I need mean, more of that. I, uh... I, I just kind of felt my professor job. I oh. had lost it because I was working for Tulane University. And uh, do you remember Hurricane Katrina? This was yeah. about in 05. So Hurricane Katrina came through New Orleans, which is where Tulane is, and it just wiped out the whole city and, and wiped out my job. And so um, that's when I said, oh, I guess i got to find something else to do. Hmm. And Ken had just uh, Ken had just lavished a a birthday present on himself for his fiftieth <laughs> birthday. Wow, he it. built a woodworking shop on the back of our house for his birthday present. And so I said, you know, Let's make use this of this is, thing. This is great, Ken. Let's ring the cash I register. Just, yeah, I just right. lost my job, and you just built a stupid woodworking shop on the back of our house. Now we have no money. What am I going to do? <laughs> and so what, I mean, for someone who had never been an entrepreneur before, like, how did you, I mean, going from wanting to do it to actually doing it is, is a leap, right? And, 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 you know, just feeling like you're ready. And I think that's something we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs about is like, when you know you're ready. Yeah, right? you're, not, you're never ready. Yeah. So what was it for you? Was it just sort of a leap of faith of you know, yeah, now or I never. Guess so it was an experiment. Like I always thought it was ridiculous and it's probably not going to work. And so for the first five or 10 years, I'm like, now where am I at that point yet where I can't turn back and go back to one of my old jobs? Right, the, the point. Well, it's, it, I love that you said that, Peggy, because one of the, Dave and I teach entrepreneurship at Middlebury and we recently shifted our sort of uh, thinking with our students where we said, prove or disprove your business to us. Yeah. And so it sounds like you were like trying to disprove for the first yeah. five years and it wasn't disproving. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also like um, it, it's a matter of pride. Like you can't just work for five years doing this and then have nothing to show for it. It's like perseverance. You have to persevere. I, I just kind of knew that if I could find talented people to help and smart people, you know, hire people smarter than yourself. That's like the best advice I could ever give anybody. Um, then you, you just, uh, <laughs> you know, you all, you all are doing it for the team, for each other. Well, I think too, back to that point of why keep doing it, like 
would you have felt that you were abandoning the woodlot? Because oh, you, yeah. you had so tied it with your, your higher yeah. cause and purpose. And, yeah. Well, you know, prior to this experiment, I had another experiment that, that failed pretty well, I still have it going, but it was a nonprofit called Kids Saving the Planet. And I started that like in the 90s when Kendall and Riley were young because I was seeing them like they were so addicted to these um, games on their phone. You know, I'm like, can't, why isn't somebody developing a game that's addictive? and also is part of the solution. Like, why isn't somebody building a game for these kids that helps them save the planet? Well, in fairness, I thought Tetris was going to save the world, which was <laughs> one of the early games. So, Space Invaders, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come the benefit. So I did try Kids Saving the Planet, but it just I couldn't get enough funding. I, it, it's still alive, actually. We did a lot of cool things locally, but I never got what I wanted to do done. So maybe that's a... Well, uh, maybe one of our listeners will... Uh, you'll pique their interest. And yeah, that's true. Step up. Um, what other Vermont companies do you admire? Any any come to mind? We're always, we love asking founders yeah. who, they're, who they're sort of envious of or yeah. benchmarking off of or just darn like their products. Right. Well, of course, Ben and Jerry's, you know, that's their crunchy guys and they, <laughs> they're changing the world. And uh, so that's inspiring. And seventh generation. Um, yeah, Burton, Snowboard. Uh, you said that because I'm a snowboarder, I know. Yeah. Right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um. Uh, Vermont Teddy, Vermont Flannel. Uh, Anything without the word Vermont in it? <laughs> <laughs> Are there companies in Vermont? <laughs> like that? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, no, it it is important. I think I think Vermont was is a big part of our success because we we live here in this community of people who are like minded, you know, and, and so there's encouragement all around. Yeah, oh, great. and support. Uh, oh, so my neighbor, my next door neighbor, um, is has a Vermont company. It's called Green Mountain Diapers. And now we're talking. She was a, a mentor yeah. to me. Great. Yeah, yeah. She um, she started selling uh, organic cotton diapers, and now she sells all things baby. In the cotton mill in Brattleboro, yes. maybe. Yeah, yeah we yeah, saw yeah. them I, when we covered uh, the circus folks. Oh. NECA. NECA, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's been in business probably uh, tw- oh, 20, 25 years. Oh, amazing. She was one of the first online businesses. I'll have to check her out. Yeah, Karen Amadon, Green Very Mountain cool. Diapers. Yeah. Very cool. Love it. And, um, I mean, just we'll, we'll have to wrap up here, unfortunately, soon, but I just have to ask, anything on the horizon, anything new coming from Vermont Wood Studios that we should keep an eye out for? Yeah, maybe so. Um, we've been working with a furniture designer in New York um, who has designed for uh, Bed Bath & Beyond and some of the big companies. But he's ready to to do Vermont-style furniture cool. design. So we may be having some new lines coming, uh, coming out. Thanks. John Merritt is his name, and uh, he's a very talented guy. 
So we're trying to work up a project with him to get some new um, new styles and new designs. So cool. Yeah. We'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah. So we ask everybody a magic wand question. Oh, okay. Okay, superpowers. Oh, as if you didn't know you had superpowers already, but, but <laughs> uh, in a humble, wonderful way. Um, if you could change one thing in Vermont today, what would you change? That's such a hard question. Um, I mean, obviously, you should bring chimps to Vermont, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. right. I mean, Vermont, the Jane Goodall. Yeah, Vermont's in pretty good shape with forest conservation. Yeah, so, um, so I think we're all right there. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a two-sided coin. Like our biggest challenge, I think, being in Vermont and selling furniture is we have so far to transport it to other places but we also kind of like being out in the boonies um so maybe that's that's not it i don't know i think it's a pretty perfect place for us to be honestly um given our our clientele our customers they love vermont um most of them are tied to to vermont in some way either they want to come here or they have been here um I mean, a lot of people will say it's hard to get the right people to work for you, um, but we've always had, say, 100 people applying to work for every job that we put out. Wow. Wow. Yeah, even in Vernon. Which, for our listeners, is non-trivial. Yeah, Yeah. Vernon doesn't even have 100 people in the town. No, we have 2,200 people. But, no, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty perfect. I, I, I'm sure if I thought about it, I could come up with something, Dave. But nothing really um, comes to mind. I think That's easier great. shipping for, uh, for furniture <laughs> yeah, is, easier shipping. is a good one. <laughs> Easier shipping. Well, that was your gut instinct. Yeah. And I, I think that's, uh, yeah, I don't that's know. That's the toughest that's part That's the of best part is you can use magic, so. Yeah, it doesn't, okay. You don't have to think yeah. of the logistics Oh, of right, it. the wand. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if we could just transport the furniture with a magic wand to each household and have it set up without any trucks. It's like involved. beyond like, white glove. Like, that's what like, I want. Magic glove. Like Star Trek would do it. Yeah. Exactly. Love it. Teleportation. Here we come. <laughs> Peg, thank you for coming and sharing the story of your company. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. This series is supported by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Women in Enterprise. Check them out at cweonline.org. Thank you very much, and let's go plant a tree this weekend. <laughs> Thanks very much. It's my pleasure.